welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. Some weeks we break down one larger mystery between the two of us. Other weeks we pick two smaller mysteries on a theme and teach each other about them based on our own independent research. If you want to support the show, find us on social media at Unknowable Podcast. Um, become a patron on Patreon and find us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Heck yeah. Yeah. So what you just heard Was in the open. A purported Bigfoot howl, shriek. Just terrifying. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking terrifying. Awful. Can't imagine being in the woods and hearing that. No. Regardless of what it is. But right. like, especially yeah. if it's like unknown. You yeah. Know? Potential Bigfoot. Yeah. I'm all set with that. It's freaky. Yeah. I've heard a few Bigfoot noises and howls and they're all terrible. Yeah. Just terrible and they're always like vaguely human which i think is like the the weirdest part about it it's like yeah. a mixture between like an animal growl scream and like a human yeah it's kind of what freaks me out about bigfoot in general yeah is that bigfoot is just kind of like this big hairy like man beast yeah wild man wild man yeah a lot of them like they refer to them him specifically as like a wild man a wild man yeah Weird. i don't like it right i mean i do it's interesting to read about, but I just yeah. don't want to ever encounter one ever in life. It's just one more reason to never go into the woods. Right. Like, Stand we already did the episode about people disappearing in the woods. Yep. And now we've got a Bigfoot in the woods. Just don't go There's in the woods. Nothing good about the woods. No. I enjoy camping. Yeah. But. But you're going to see a Bigfoot one day. Yes, one of these days. <laughs> yeah. I don't want At your wedding in Vermont, we're going to yeah. see a Bigfoot. Ugh. Yeah. I hope not. It could be terrible. It just just right on the fringes. Nowhere. In the watching. <laughs> yeah, just watching. Bigfoot loves weddings. Look. I feel like he'd like it. He needs to RSVP. <laughs> yeah, he does. So that kind of brings us to, okay, so I think pretty much everybody knows what Bigfoot is. Yeah. Looks like you have some general idea. He's one of the most famous cryptids. Yeah. Ever. Easily the most famous. Yeah. I can't think of anybody that would be more known. Maybe like the Loch Ness Monster. Right. Maybe. Yeah. In At least in like American mythology yeah but it's up there yeah but, but i think bigfoot might be number one yeah everybody knows bigfoot also known as sasquatch they're yes. hairy they walk upright they yep. look kind of like apes they're in the wilderness that's pretty much they obviously have big feet yep. <laughs> hence the name um which apparently are claimed to be as large as two feet long which is also horrible that is terrifying they're, horrible. and they're what like eight feet tall yeah they can be yeah, as big as, like, eight, even, like, nine feet tall, depending. I think, like, most sightings vary between, like, six feet and eight or nine feet. So they're huge. Um, but, yeah, they, about a third of all claims. So probably a lot of people, when they think of Bigfoot, think of the Pacific Northwest. Yep. Which is accurate because that's where about a third of all the claims of sightings are from. Right. With the rest of them, of course, across North America, but obviously, like... Jane Goodall said, like you said, there are Bigfoot-like creatures reported all over the world. So this right. isn't just the United States, but United States is kind of Bigfoot is ours in Sasquatch or our names for that creature. Right. So, yeah, there's like this is by no means like a, a comprehensive episode on all different types of Bigfoot-like creatures because no. that would be a whole podcast in and of itself. It would take, yeah, easily we could have an entire series on Bigfoot. Yeah. We kind of realized when we got into this research that, like, the Bigfoot topic is massive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like Bigfoot. <laughs> but there's so... the Part of the thing is that it's not like... I mean, I guess a lot of cryptids are kind of similar, but 
um, like, it's not believed that there is one Bigfoot. Right. It's there not just are... a single individual. Exactly. Because there's no way that could be true. There's been so many sightings over so many years in so many locations all over the world that right. this can't be just one creature. Bigfoot would be like a, mm-hmm. a, a taxonomy or like a like a, a group of animals that exist yeah. in the wild that inhabit the whole planet pretty much. Pretty but much. In the United States, definitely like out. densely wooded areas. Yeah. It's kind of their their habitat. Yeah. Bigfoot, I mean, again, we, we did not dive as deep into this as we could have. Right. For sure. Because, yeah, I could have spent the entire week, like eight hours a day, researching Bigfoot. Yes. And then we would end up with like a six hour long episode. Yeah. It would be insane. Um, so I didn't read through like, I mean, there's no way to read through every sighting because oh God, there's no. so many. Right. But generally, Bigfoot are known... Again, for being in the wilderness. Yep. This is not a type of, you know, there's certain, even Mothman, you know, like people have seen Mothman in the wilderness. They've seen Mothman in the city yep. flying, but like Bigfoot is not a cryptid that you see in like New York City. I've never heard of a, like an urban or even a suburban no Bigfoot sighting. No, this is always like people are camping, people are hunting for him. Rural. Yeah. yeah. This is in the woods, usually deep in the woods. And generally Bigfoot is not trying to come after you. Bigfoot is not... Right. chasing you it's it's a scary sighting because you're like holy shit right because again these creatures are said to be large and intimidating right but bigfoot is not typically threatening um which i feel it like could be like an adaptation like the reason that yeah. bigfoot has survived for so long and has not been sort of proven to be existed proven to be existed yeah not totally. his existence has not been proven yes is because they are sort of shy and stay away from people and have evolved to basically avoid humans yeah because we are detrimental to their habitat and their existence exactly which some people kind of write off as being unrealistic which i don't i mean again i'm not i've said it before i'm not a scientist <laughs> no me neither i'm not a, a primatologist i'm not an expert on animals of any kind but it seems to me that most animals, of course, some have adapted to be a little more friendly. And I know you have a story of a, a potential Bigfoot experience that was not quite as peaceful. Yes. But, you know, by and large, like I would say easily 99% of people talking about their encounters have all just been that they saw the creature. Yeah. It's almost like a quick glimpse. Like, yeah. oh, I saw it like running or I saw it like like pass by us in the woods. Like it's yeah. it's never a prolonged experience. No. And Bigfoot's not doing anything terrifying. Um, I should, really should have looked up. There's a story, and I can't remember from what time frame this was, but there was a story that I read a long time ago where a guy claimed that he had been kidnapped by, like, a yes. family of big feet. Big feet? Bigfoot. Big I'm, okay, I'm going to put my foot down right okay. now and Your say Bigfoot. that Bigfoot is like the word moose, where yeah. the singular is also the plural. That's what I would like. A group of Bigfoot. Yes. That is, I'm, I don't care. One of the fun facts that I found were that the plural nouns Bigfoots and Big Feet are both acceptable. I disagree. And I wrote LOL next to it. Yes. Because I was like, okay. This was I, kind of in an article that was like a very serious, yeah. talking about Bigfoot. It was like, you can also just say Big Feet. I was like, no, come on. That is not, no. No. This is the hill I will die on. Yeah, we will not be calling them Big Feet. Bigfoot. So he was plural. kidnapped by a family of Bigfoot. There we go. And... Supposedly, if I remember correctly, he was like with them for days. Yeah. And even that was not a violent thing. Right. Um, I really wish I remember what year this was and like I where say this it was guy like was. The ni- early 1900s, like 
Right, yes. 1920s or 30s-ish? Yeah. I feel like I might have heard it on an episode of Lore. Yeah. Which you should listen to. I've Lore's listened to a few episodes here and there. Yeah. It might have even been Astonishing Legends. It could have been. The Bigfoot episode. Yeah. But, but it was fascinating. It was a weird. It's a, it's a weird story. And it's one that I thought about while I was doing this research. And it's one that's always struck me as not necessarily a hoax, mm. but just seems a little bit too good to be true. You know what I mean? It's a detailed story. It's very detailed. And it's very, like, just bizarre and hallucinogenic. Didn't like, he get, like, tossed into, like, a sack and carried by this yeah. big, like, patriarchal Bigfoot? Yeah. And then brought him back to, like, his, like, wife and his, like, children Bigfoot? Yeah. And yeah, this guy, I think, like, kind of figured out that it was a family, just he was observing their behavior. Yeah. So again, it was not, you know, they didn't bring him there to, like, eat him or do anything terrible. They, right. I don't know why they kidnapped him. Right. But yeah, he kind of was just observing how they interacted and figured out that it seemed like, yeah, a dad and a mom and a kid or kids. Yeah. Based on, like, partly based on their size, too. The, the male was obviously big and the female was a little bit smaller and just he was observing how they seemed to care for the smaller Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bizarre story. I wonder if it's, like, the same kind of part of the human brain that comes up with, like, um, alien abduction stories. Mm. Because it's kind of similar. Like, you're abducted, you're brought into this place, you're observing sort of, like, the the ins and outs of, like, the behavior of this alien creature. Yeah. And it just, it seems so strange. Which was weird, because it almost was, like, the opposite in the sense that it seemed more like he was just there observing them. Right. They didn't seem to care quite as much about him. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, the aliens take you and experiment on you and check you out. But it was like the, almost seemed like the Bigfoot just kind of took him and we're just like, cool, here you are. Right. You're like our new, I don't know. Pet? Yeah, we're just going to like put you on the mantle. Yeah, right. you just hang out over there. But yeah, so that like always came to yeah. mind. Um. So yeah, of course, Bigfoot, again, has never been proven definitely. There have been a lot of bits of compelling evidence Um, I read about, so the only official first step in scientific recognition of the species was made in 2013. Um, There's a non-governmental organization called ZooBank. Yes. That is generally accepted by zoologists to assign species name. Um, They approved the registration request for the species name Homo sapiens cognatus to be used for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Yes. Um, Yeah, the request was made by a Dr. Melba S. Ketchum lead scientist of the Sasquatch Genome Project, following the publication of an article that examined 111 samples of blood, tissue, hair, and other specimens, quote, characterized and hypothesized to have been, quote, obtained from elusive hominins in North America commonly referred to as Sasquatch. Yes. Which is crazy. Um, So the follow-up step would be to secure the recognition and inclusion of a DNA sample by GenBank, which is like a DNA repository for... That is also well-recognized by the scientific community. Um, And ZooBank wanted to have a quote that was saying that ZooBank and the International Commission on Zoological Nomenclature do not review evidence for the legitimacy of organisms to which names are applied. Yes. That is outside our mandate and is really the job of the relevant taxonomic slash biological community, in this case primatologists, to do that. When HS Cognatus was first registered, needless to say we received a lot of inquiry about it. We scrutinized the original description and registration of the name as best we could. And as far as we can determine, all the requirements for establishing the new name were fulfilled. Thus, at the moment, we have no grounds to reject the scientific name. This says nothing about the legitimacy of the taxon concept. Right. It's just about whether the name was established according to the rules. So, Basically, kind of like... Basically, there's a placeholder. Yeah. Like, if somebody gets a DNA sample of a Sasquatch, mm-hmm. then 
they it can be officially registered as its own taxonomic group. Yeah. Sure. Something like that. But yeah, so it can basically be a legitimate species recognized as independent from all other species. Yeah. Which is so, kind of cool. Yeah. I, but I did like that they were kind of like, we're not saying yeah. there is a Bigfoot. Right. But just... If there is, yeah. we, got, we got a name for it. We got a name for it. And this, yeah, this measured up to what we need to yeah. name it. But that was about it. What was interesting about that whole, um, the, the gathering of like DNA and hair samples and everything. Mm. So they, they, they did... Um, this whole study of all these like samples of DNA and all of it like corresponded to other known animals like bear, coyote, hmm. um, various real animals. But one DNA sample, the closest like DNA comparison that they had was from an extinct genus of polar bear that lived 40,000 years ago. Weird. Which this was collected somewhere in Central Asia, like in the Himalaya mountain region. Hmm. So at the very least, there's some sort of unknown bear living in the Himalayan region that's related to an extinct polar bear. That's kind of cool. Which is cool. So what that that made me think was, okay, if there's a bear living somewhere in Central Asia that is unknown to science, bear are just as big, if not bigger, than what Bigfoot are purported to be. Yeah. So if a bear can live undetected up there... Why can't a Bigfoot? Right. Like that makes that that argues the case of a Bigfoot existing so well. Exactly. Yeah, I just don't think it's that far from a possibility that there could be again, there's not I should have seen like looked up to see how many like are estimated to exist, which I don't think there could be a really accurate estimation, I guess. Right. Because who knows, like if somebody people saw Bigfoot in a various smaller region. Like, how do we know that they, a few of them didn't see the same one? Right. But just the idea, I mean, there's not, it's not said that there's like millions of Bigfoot around. Right. So it's not like, how could we possibly miss this? If they clearly are reclusive and they're trying to stay out of the way and they don't want to be found or interacted with, then like, I don't know, who's to say that they didn't evolve over all this time to Make sure that happens. Well, and they're like, you know, if they're a, a, a hominid, which they're registered as a, a, you know, homo sapiens cognitus, so it's a similar taxonomic group as humans, it's sort of stands to reason that they would have some sort of intelligence similar to humans. Yeah. And like, think about that guy who lived in northern Maine, who just like, he was like the, I forget what they called him, but he basically lived for like 20 or 30 years in the woods of Maine, what? just like breaking into people's cabins and stealing food no and way. was completely undetected even though he was like wanted by the police. Wow. He lived for like 20 or 30 years in the woods and was never found until recently. Damn. So if a human can do that, why couldn't, you know, a family of Bigfoot? Right. I think it's incredibly arrogant for us to say like, no, no, no. We've yeah. found no. every animal that yeah. exists on this planet. We know every single creature. We've, we've visited every inch of the woods and we found no evidence and therefore it is not true exactly because all the time science finds things that have been unknown to science like every year there's new animals found there's new like subspecies of animals found yeah um and if there's this like weird bear that's related to polar bears from forty thousand years ago right why can't there be a primate well exactly and clearly i mean bigfoot most likely is not like its own um whatever like type of animal like it clearly evolved from something right Similar, whether that was like a bear or probably some type of primate. Right. So related to humans, like we could have diverged from um, one of our ancestors, and like you know, Homo sapiens became Homo sapiens us, and then Homo sapiens cognitus became Bigfoot, and 
like that oh. would make a lot of sense. In fact, um, there is a hypothesis that what Bigfoot is is just like a missing link between yeah. humans and our ancestors. Yeah, like that's like the, the the missing link that everybody always talks about. Which still alive. The whole thing is ridiculous to me because I guess I mean I could see so there are some cryptids out there that have pretty bizarre descriptions. Yes. Where even we haven't done an episode yet on the Jersey Devil, but the Jersey Devil is one of the ones that oh, were like yeah. some of the descriptions are just like it's just whoa. Like, a, like a Photoshop animal. Yeah. Like, you just took like eight head. different things. Yeah. So I can see I mean, I still don't rule that out, but I can see that people could be like, come on, really right. like this is like eighteen different things just merged into one. Right. But a Bigfoot is so I don't know, like it's just logical. described. Yeah, it's logical. Like it's just like clearly Nobody is not that many people are really saying that Bigfoot is like a paranormal thing. Well, which some some do. Some, some do. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. Some definitely do and that is a thought, but a lot of people are just saying like isn't it possible that there's this animal out there? Right. That I just don't see why that could be written off so easily that there's I, this primate like animal right out in the woods. And like there's um you know the idea of um it being a sort of a, it's called like a a relic species, mm. I think, um, like the idea of Gigantopithecus, yes. which was a um, giant ape that lived, you know, in the the fossil record. Um, it lived in like Central Asia and Africa, and a lot of animals that lived in Central Asia and Africa migrated to North America via the Bering Land Strait. Yeah, and we haven't found any Gigantopithecus uh, fossils in North America, but Anybody who studies fossils will tell you that, like, a tiny, tiny percentage of animals that live anywhere become fossils mm. because it's just, like, such a, a unique set of circumstances that leads to fossilization. Mm. So it's very possible that Gigantopithecus did migrate to North America via the Bering Land Strait as well as humans yeah. and lived here and maybe it dwindled down to a very small population that learned to, like, adapt to North America. Yep. And, like, that doesn't that – doesn't, strike me as just like patently ridiculous like that sounds exactly. like a very logical scientific explanation for how an animal could survive here and could have come here yeah and the fact that people write it off so instantly just strikes me as arrogant yeah hubris exactly yeah there's there's surprisingly few i mean aside from like the more hardcore researchers and people who go out and like hunt for bigfoot right as far as like scientists go there are not that many people of yeah. course that will put their name behind the idea that there is Bigfoot. Um, one of the big believers, George or Grover Krantz, passed away in 2002, American anthropologist and cryptozoologist, um, was one of the few that actually not only researched Bigfoot, but expressed his belief in the being's existence, hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah, he authored more than 60 academic articles and 10 books on human evolution throughout his professional career. Taught at Washington State University for 30 years before retiring. He has a scholarship named after him at the school. Like, he's not some weird fringe dude. Yeah. Um, he began researching Bigfoot in 1963, which was shortly before he began his teaching career. Um, and, of course, again, his cryptozoology research was ignored by a lot of mainstream scientists, despite his credentials. So he ended up publishing some books kind of aimed more at casual readers and was on, like, some television documentaries, like, In Search Of and Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. Whoa. Yeah, which I think sucks in a little bit because people don't really take a lot of those shows seriously. Yeah. So even seeing somebody that was, like, you know, this 30-year teacher at Washington State University who, like, 
authored all these papers, you see them on a show like that, and you're like, okay. Right. Like, it almost hurts that it was on, like, fucking, what was it, sci- the sci-fi channel? Yeah. So, like, that, like just the, the culture of Bigfoot researchers, mm. in some ways, comes off as ridiculous. Not that I think that it's it's right that people write off Bigfoot researchers based on either appearance or just, like, how they talk about Bigfoot. Right. But it definitely kind of, like, hurts the credibility that the whole culture is just so, like, not ridiculous, but just, like, not not trying to be scientific in any way, shape, or form. Not trying to, like, be peer-reviewed and just, like, have this air of, like, no, like, we're scientists trying to collect data. They have yeah. this air of, like, I don't know, like... Yeah, man. Yeah. Squatching. Aliens, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it, it sucks that there's so few scientists that would take any findings or research seriously, too. So they can't even, like, get backed up. Um, yeah, Grover Krantz's belief was that it was an actual creature. Um, and, yeah, he theorized that sightings were due to small pockets of surviving gigantopithecines. Interesting. Yeah. Um, an extinct, like you said, an extinct genus of ape that existed from perhaps 9 million years to as recently as 100,000 years ago. Um, That's a long time. Yeah. Standing up to 9.8 feet tall and weighing as much as 1,320 pounds. Damn. Which is insane. Um, car. Yeah, he, in January 1985, he tried to formally name Bigfoot by presenting a paper at the meeting of the International Society of Cryptozoology, hmm. an organization founded in 82 which only lasted until 98, but Lauren Coleman, who was a member, opened the International Cryptozoology Museum in Portland, which still exists today. Um, So this was, this meeting was in Sussex, England, and um, I guess it was not permitted because he wanted to name it. um, So it was Gigantopithecus Blackie were these, like, largest known primates to exist. Hmm. And he wanted to name Bigfoot under that name. But they didn't permit it because that already exists as a taxon. Okay. Which, a taxon is a group of one or more populations of an organism. Just like, no. Interesting. Yeah. Um, And because the creature was lacking a holotype, which is a single physical example of an organism, which, of course, nobody has yet to provide for Bigfoot, which sucks. Interesting. Um, And, yeah, well, I'll talk a little bit about the this famous film later, but he was a big believer in maybe the most well-known Bigfoot film, the Patterson-Gimlin film, um, because he thought that the creature looked like it was moving very realistically and not similar to a human. Right. To the point where, like, like we were talking about with the Fresno Nightwalkers. Yes. That it really wouldn't be possible or it would be extremely difficult for a human to reproduce the way that this creature in the film was walking. Exactly, yeah. Um, Which is one of those things, too, that I think somebody who is more knowledgeable about um, human evolution and about primates would know that better. I mean, any normal person, I think, could look at that video and be like, somebody could do that. Right. Like, I could do that. How hard could that be? But when you start to study, I mean, I didn't get into the the crazy, I read the crazy details, but like something about the angle of the knee, like the Uh bend of the knee and just the way that like the foot lifted off the ground by like a certain number of inches was all kind of studied to be like, that's not the way humans walk. Right. And that would be really difficult for a human to walk that way and also maintain the same like posture and gait while they did it. So it was kind of determined, at least by him, that there's like no way that a human could do that in a suit. So again, we'll talk about that video later, but um, I just think it's cool that there's some scientists that are like, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. I don't see why there shouldn't be. Like, it's, you know, this is, of all cryptids that I've studied, 
Bigfoot seems the closest to something that could really exist. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think. I'd say probably the most credible. Right. Again, because as much as there are some paranormal aspects that are possible, mm-hmm. it does just seem like it can just be some animal. Monkeys living in the woods. Uh-oh. I'm going to sneeze. Uh-oh. Maybe not. Just kidding. Damn. Put a pin in that. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> so, okay, so right. you did some research about some main sightings. Yes. So, um, one of the interesting things about Bigfoot is digging into the local folklore and mythology around them. Yep. Um, and, you know, Maine has a large population of Native Americans or had one back, you yep. know, back in the 1800s. Yep. Um, so there's a, some very interesting folkloric Native American creatures that may or may not have either been inspired by Bigfoot sightings or what we now call Bigfoot. Mm. Um or at the very least, speak to this human desire or this human like drive to identify something in the woods that is like a wild man or like a hairy beast human thing. Yeah. Um, beast human thing. Beast human thing. <clears throat> With a so, really muscular butt. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> he supposedly has a muscular butt. Does he? Yeah. We they. always talk about cryptids. Yeah. And we talk about how muscular they are. <laughs> yeah. It's going to come up. At least one more time. It will. Yeah. Because they're ripped. They're, they're ripped. <laughs> All right. So, in Maine, there is the Micmac and the Maliseet uh, Native Americans. Okay. Um, in their culture, they have this animal called a chinoo. Um, so, it's essentially an ice giant. So, this is interesting because in they, are, they were originally humans, but they commit a crime against nature such as cannibalism or withholding food from a starving person, which causes their heart to turn to ice. Whoa. So in this legend, there are these big, hairy creatures, a Bigfoot essentially, that have a heart that is shaped like a human but made of ice. Yikes. So um, it's interesting because we're going to get into this in the idea of skinwalkers, but Mm -hmm. skinwalkers are sort of the similar idea where they were once human, but they've committed a crime against humanity and become this mythological creature. I was just going to say, it sounded like skinwalkers. Like didn't want to make the skinwalker connection again, (laughs) but we are unintentionally just leading up to this skinwalker. Yes, because skinwalkers, skinwalker ranch is going to tie all of this together. All of it together. Um, So yeah, so these Chinoo, um, they're also in... Penobscot uh, in Native American folklore, um, where they're known as Kiwakwa. Um, and in Passamaquoddy Native American lore, they're known as Apatomkin. Apatomkin. I totally believe that those are all pronounced correctly. I, I have no idea. I'm so sorry to anybody who is a Native American <laughs> yeah. who is, just heard me butcher those words. We're trying our best. I'm trying so hard. It's really, yeah. Um, so some characteristics of Chinu slash Kiwakwa slash Apatomkin, um, they emit loud shrieks, mm-hmm. which like the opening of this episode. Yep. Big quite like that. Do that. Um, except in the lore, the loud shrieks can cause instant death. Jesus. Which I wonder if that's sort of an exaggeration of someone being so scared that they have a heart attack and die. Interesting. So yeah. So that, that could be a thing. <laughs> um, they create their own camouflage. By rubbing against pine resin on trees and then rolling around in the dirt on the ground. Mm. And so it sticks, like, to their fur. Yeah. So then they can stand and they can be mistaken for trees. Interesting. Um, and in some legends, they can't be cured. 
and they can only be killed by being chopped into pieces or they can fall to their death. Jesus. In other legends, they can be cured. Um, so like various medicines can, if you feed them this medicine, then they vomit their ice heart out Whoa. and then they turn back into a human. Whoa. Um, in other ways, you can force them to eat salt, which then unfreezes their heart, which if you think about it, like we salt our driveways to get rid of salt or yeah. to get rid of ice. It's actually strangely interesting like, logical um so what, what what strikes me about the chinu is that it's like not super paranormal like i mean it's paranormal in that they were once human and they get turned into this like creature mm. but its behavior isn't super paranormal like you know their loud shrieks causing instant death isn't necessarily like a paranormal thing it could just be a heart attack yeah um they create their own camouflage by rolling in pine resin like that's super logical and actually makes a lot of sense yeah um and to me feels like an actual behavior of a real animal rather Mm. than like a legend um and then being able to cure them that's that's another like maybe that's the supernatural part of it right if you're gonna have this animal in your your, this creature in your legends makes sense you have to have some kind of cure just for like the story yeah um in Abenaki, Native American lore, there's an animal called a pamula. Um, so this is a large man-like creature with red fur, which okay. Native American, or I mean, uh, Bigfoot are often described as being red, yep. having reddish fur. Reddish fur. So this is what you were referencing earlier, the the encounter of with a not quite so docile yeah. <laughs> uh, pamula. Like most terrifying Bigfoot. encounter I've heard of. So... Um, a trapper in the 1800s was his body was found ripped to shreds but the thing that makes people think it wasn't just a mountain lion or something is that his body had been beaten against a tree and broken most of his bones before it was ripped to shreds that's awful which it was it was beaten against the tree at such a height that it wouldn't be just a mountain lion like swinging its prey it would have to be something like you know man high that was swinging this trapper against the trees. Jesus. So I wonder, and the fact that he was a trapper is interesting because yeah. maybe, you know, Bigfoot was out there and saw this dude, like, trapping small animals. And maybe Bigfoot's just, like, I, I don't remember where I have this image in my head of, though, is, like, Bigfoot just, like, crouched on, like, the forest floor, like, petting a squirrel with, like, birds on his shoulders. You know what yeah. I mean? He's like, he's, like, the guardian of the forest. See? Another good cryptid. Right. He's, like, he just wants to help yep. the animals that are out there. Yep. Um... And the the uh, the other name for this pamula that white people gave it in the 1800s was the quote, Injun Devil. Wow. Injun, like I N J U N. Wow. Which is patently racist. Terrible. So, so terrible. <laughs> Great. So yeah. So not That's all horrifying. Not all Bigfoot are docile. No. Some um, swing people against trees. Holy shit. Th- so, right. Isn't that wild? <laughs> it's like. To, can you imagine seeing really that? disturbing mental image? <laughs> right. Jesus. The other interesting... So there's a ton of sightings of Bigfoot in Maine where it's just that classic, like, oh, like, somebody saw a wild man. Like, yeah. Somebody saw him, like, run run across the road or, like, saw him for a second behind a tree. And yeah. if you Google Maine uh, Bigfoot sighting, you'll see tons of videos of just, like, <laughs> a quick little shot of, like, a, a, a Bigfoot, like, ducking behind a tree or, like, yeah. running across some trees. Interesting. Um, but there was another experience. Um, this is, again, back in the 1800s. So... The way I think about it, the earlier I, I it makes sense to me that there would be more Bigfoot sightings earlier in American history yep. before we colonized everything and before we industrialized the country quite mm-hmm. so much. 
Um, so in, in, in 1886, which is incidentally the same year that the Statue of Liberty was dedicated. Nice. Um, <laughs> Fun fact. These three men were camping 100 miles north of Moosehead Lake. Jesus. So fucking way up there. Out there. Like Damn. in the middle of the woods. Jesus. Um, and especially back then, like 1886, yeah. 100 miles north of Moosehead Lake, there was nothing. Yeah. How'd you, for, how'd you even get up there? Right. How'd you get there and how'd you get back? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was the three men camping. Two of them left for a week to just go, I don't know, go do something. And they left the other guy it's at like the camp. how long it took them to get right. 100 miles away again. Right. Exactly. Like, whoops. And so the other guy's like, sweet, I guess I'll just stay here at this camp by myself. Sure. Literally the shit middle of nowhere. <laughs> so they returned, the two men returned after a week and they found that the third man was dead. Oh, shit. So they got together a party to like go hunt for the whatever killed this man, which I, they didn't, there wasn't, a, this is a very short, it was like a paragraph. It wasn't mm. like a lot of detail. Um, first of all, like, where do they find all these people out 100 miles north of Moosehead Lake to go right. searching for what killed this man? Yeah, where, like, they just knock on doors. Like, where did you find other houses? Right. <laughs> Were there houses with doors? Were yeah, there are there houses up there now? Right. I don't even know. Who knows? Um, so they searched the woods and they found a 10-foot-tall wild man. Oh, no. And killed it. Oh, geez. Supposedly, like, killed a Bigfoot and, like, had it. But there's no reference as to, like, what happened to the body. Right. Or, like, what they did with it. They or probably fucking ate it. Any of that. Yeah, they probably fucking ate it. Or <laughs> they were just shit. like, well, we're just out here. We can't get home for another week. We got to eat something on the way back. Right. Squirrels aren't going to cut it. Eat the fucking Bigfoot. Eat the Bigfoot. See, like, I almost wonder. I feel like a lot of the stories that imply Bigfoot being violent come from a lot further back as well. So if we're thinking there's potentially a larger population back then and maybe some of them got pissed off more easily or mm-hmm. were more defensive territorial. or territorial that maybe either a some of them got killed yep. and they were like oh shit um or just whatever like they just naturally evolved over time to like not do that because right. typically obviously animals that do that that are more threatening to humans are going to yeah. get killed off more easily well, yeah like it's essentially natural mm-hmm. selection like yeah. the, the more aggressive bigfoot that are more willing to challenge humans get killed yeah um, whereas the shot. ones that are more likely to like hide and just avoid humans, they're the ones that survive and, it, you know, through natural selection, yeah. they, the, the, the population of Bigfoot just become more prone to hiding. Exactly. And then naturally dwindles, like you said, over time when things are getting more colonized and more populated and, you know, land that was more dense with forest is now much smaller or more open if they're cutting down trees or putting right. in properties or whatever. That it makes sense that, you know, not that they're necessarily, like, at a point of extinction now, but that they right. are much less Like an endangered common. species. Yeah. Which, makes again, sense. doesn't seem crazy to me. That Like, there are plenty of animals that exist where it's like, we know that there's only a few hundred in the world, oh, you yeah. know? So it's like, why couldn't that be Bigfoot? Right. Oh, that there's not that many. Just reading about that, like, it was reading, for some reason I was reading about Mongolia. Mm. And I was reading about, um, there's wild Wild camels and wild donkey that live in, like, the plains of Mongolia. Whoa. Which is, like, when, like, there's still wild horses that live there. That's, yeah, it's crazy So, like, me. the fact that just, like, ha- but there's only, like, there's, like a, like, a few hundred left. Yeah. So, it's, like, it's very possible that a small breeding population could exist somewhere in a very isolated pocket. Exactly. Especially somewhere, like, dense woods, like, northern Maine. Yeah. And if we, you know, if, like, you know, Maine used to be the, the toothpick capital of the world, maybe still is. Um, sure. The idea being that, like, we log a ton of our, like, woods as we log and their habitat is, like, shrunken. They just move farther and farther north. Yeah. Which is just farther and farther away from humans. So there's less negative interactions between humans and Bigfoot. Exactly. They just kind of do their own thing. and Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that makes a ton of sense. It makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so my big thing that I researched was the Patterson-Gimlin film. Ah, classic. The classic. Everybody probably knows the yeah. Patterson-Gimlin film. You, you might not know the name, because I didn't even know the name. Right. But you probably have seen this film. Yes. It's pretty short. It's less than a minute. It's basically the Bigfoot that was spotted is kind of walking away from the camera yeah. and looks over his shoulder. Yeah. Like at least I think once. it's actually her shoulder. Her shoulder, yes. It yes. is supposed to be supposed to be a female. Um, yeah, I think looks over her shoulder at least once and then kind of disappears into the brush. Mm-hmm. I think you can kind of see her again before she disappears for good. Yeah. Um, so this was an interesting read. Yeah. This was an in-depth thing. A deep dive. A deep dive. Okay. So this was shot in 1967. Yeah. Northern California. Super north. Um, this was along Bluff Creek, which is like only 38 miles south of Oregon. Okay. So we're talking like way up there, like almost, prime, almost Oregon. Prime Bigfoot territory, Pacific Northwest. Exactly, Pacific Northwest. Um, the filmmakers were Robert Patterson and Robert Bob Gimlin. So Patterson passed away in the 70s. Gimlin is still alive today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Patterson died of cancer and maintained right to the end that the creature on the film was real. Um, Gimlin, to this day, has always denied being involved in any part of a hoax. Um but I'll get into a little bit more, but he really hasn't given, up until 2005, he really didn't talk publicly too much about this. Like, right. he had a few, like, a handful of appearances, but, like, basically didn't talk to anybody until 2005. And then he started um, giving interviews and appearing at, like, Bigfoot conferences. So, yeah, again, the, the film is just under a minute, 59 and a half seconds. Um, so Patterson had become interested in Bigfoot. He read an article about the creature in 59. Okay. And then in 1962, he visited Bluff Creek. And talked with a bunch of Bigfoot believers. So this was like an area where Bigfoot had supposedly been spotted. Um, It was also close to an area called Willow Creek where there has been Bigfoot sightings. And you might know, I haven't actually seen it, but there's a movie called Willow Creek about Bigfoot. I have not. I think it's a fictional movie, but I think it's like loosely based on sightings that have happened there potentially. Um, But yeah, so he returned again in 64. And along with a man named Pat Graves, he went to this area called Laird Meadows, and Patterson saw some fresh, what he thought were fresh Bigfoot tracks. So he was kind of, like, invigorated. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's like, shit, this is happening. Um, So he, you know, over this time, and, like, especially starting now, starts investing a lot of his time and money into searching for Bigfoot. So, and, of course, was ridiculed as anybody would be, I guess, even now. Um, but he solicited funds from people. He got some encouraging response. He published a paperback called Do Abominable Snowmen of America Really Exist? In 1966, at his own expense, and some of the income from the sales he put into his, like, Bigfoot search, you know, fund. Right. So, (laughs) this is where it gets a little weird. In May and June of 1967, he began filming a docudrama slash pseudo-documentary about cowboys being led by an old miner and a wise Indian tracker on a hunt for Bigfoot. So, like, I, in my head, when I thought of this video, was just, like, I initially thought that maybe it was somebody that was into Bigfoot, but that maybe it was just somebody out camping or doing whatever that were, like, oh, shit, and had a camera. But, no, he's out there filming this weird docudrama. That's a bizarre concept. (laughs) So weird. I was, like, I'm reading this, and I'm, like, no. No. The storyline called for Patterson, um, his Indian guide, who was Bob Gimlin in a wig. So fucking, like... (laughs) A white guy playing a Native American. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Just 1960s. White dude with a wig on is suddenly an Indian. Classic. And the Cowboys, 
they were supposed to be recalling in flashbacks the stories of Fred Beck. So that was a reference to the 1924 Ape Canyon incident. There were, like, several reported counters of ape men in Washington um, as they tracked the beast on horseback. So this is real weird. Yeah. He shot this film for three days. He had, like, nine or ten volunteer, like, acquaintances of theirs come to, like, be various parts in this film. Right. Um, And presumably he would have needed a costume for Bigfoot when that, like, climactic scene eventually came, that they found Bigfoot. Um, So supposedly... According to Patterson and Gimlin, who were the only two to actually be present for that video. Right. No, none of their other friends or whatever were there when this happened. They were riding upstream on horseback, which is like a nice little image. Yeah. They're like riding along the creek together. Right. Just guys being dudes. Just like they weren't even, I guess they weren't even filming at this point. They had the camera. Yeah. But I don't know if they were like scouting a location or what. But they were just hanging out. October 20th, 1967. Sometime between 1.15 and 1.40 p.m., they came to an overturned tree with a large root system at a turn in the creek. Um, Patterson described it as almost as high as a room. When they rounded it, quote, there was a log jam, a crow's nest left over from the flood of 64, and then they spotted the figure behind it nearly simultaneously. So their stories don't differ so greatly that it's, like, suspicious, but they had a few differing details. But the figure was either crouching beside the creek to their left or standing there on the opposite bank. Hmm. So they... Patterson thought it was, like, six and a half to seven feet tall. Gimlin thought it was, like, six feet, whatever. Big, tall thing. Um, The film shows what they both claimed was a large, hairy, bipedal, ape-like figure with short, quote, silvery brown or, quote, dark reddish brown or, quote, black hair. Okay. Those are very different, but okay. But, I mean, eyewitness accounts, I would be suspicious if they were exactly the same. Right, exactly. Um, Covering most of its body, including its prominent breasts. Oh, interesting. Yes. Um... Patterson estimated that he was about 25 feet from the creature at his closest. Um, So he said his horse, like, reared up when he saw the figure. And then Patterson spent, like, 20 seconds getting himself out of the saddle, calming the horse down, getting around to the other side and getting his camera before he started running towards this figure. Because it makes more sense, I think, in a way that he was already a Bigfoot enthusiast. Right. That, like, some people might have just been shocked enough to be like, what the hell? Right. And this wasn't a time where we just had, like, a phone in our hand already that we could just be like, boom. So he's like, oh, shit. Because this was shot on film, right? Like, actual film. Exactly. This was, yeah, this was the late 60s. So, um, but he was, like, excited. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's happening. So the film is initially pretty shaky until he gets about 80 feet away. Um, The figure glances over its right shoulder at the men, and Patterson fell to his knees, which, like, I laughed only because... (laughs) Part of me was like, did he, like, trip on a rock in the stream? But right. then the other part of me was like, was he just so... Yeah, like, yes. He made eye contact with Bigfoot, and he was like, finally! And, yeah, he just fell to his knees in, like, joy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he falls to his knees. The creature disappears behind a grove of trees for, like, 14 seconds, reappears in the film's final 15 seconds, and then fades into the trees again, is lost to view as the reel of film ran out. Um, he got a second roll of film. They filmed the tracks that they saw from the creature. And then they tracked it for, like, a mile, but they lost it in the overgrowth. And then they went back to their campsite and got some plaster, and they went back and made plaster casts of the um, footprints. Interesting. Yeah. So, again, he thought scientists would be, like, psyched about this, but everybody was like, no. Right. Um, Usually, most of the scientists that saw it were, like, at these scientific organizations where it was filmed. They weren't, like, meeting with him personally. Um, most of them expressed, like, reservations about it, but some 
at the very least would admit that they were intrigued, but I think that was kind of like the best that he got. Um, so Patterson seemed like he was very excited to kind of sell this film and like to make money from this, right. which I guess some people could see as sketchy. Yes. That somebody's so like, take it, like give me money, yeah. Um, but some could also see as like, this is a guy who was searching for Bigfoot for years right. and finally had his proof. It's like his life's work. Exactly, like he was psyched. So he made a deal with BBC to allow the use of the footage in a docudrama. Um, it was shown in like local movie houses around the Pacific Northwest and the Midwest. Got a decent amount of public or national publicity. He like went on a few popular talk shows to talk about the film and his belief in Bigfoot. Um, he actually got involved in some costly legal entanglements when he sold overlapping distribution rights to the film. Oh, wow. So again, he's very excited. Yeah. Maybe, again, you could argue like he's so excited for money that he's just selling it to everybody or is he just so excited for his proof to get out there that he's like wants everybody to have it. Right. Unclear. Um, so he apparently continued to actively hunt Bigfoot up until his death, which for me is a sign of it not being a hoax. Right. Just in the sense that like you'd think if his whole goal was like to over these years to orchestrate this crazy hoax and make this money. Right. Wouldn't he kind of be done at that point if that was yeah, his rest, only goal? Just rest on his laurels. Yeah. He sold that. It's the most famous big film ever. Like, he doesn't need exactly. to, like, like, hunt him anymore. Why keep doing it? Like, he got, I mean, aside from an actual Bigfoot. Right. Which, I mean, you could argue maybe that was his next goal for a hoax was, like, to show a real Bigfoot. But then I feel um, like he would have done that. Mm. The fact that, like, this is his only output. Well, it's possible that his death cut him short. Because he died in 72. Uh, yeah, and this was only, I mean, the video was only 67, and then he's got, you know, years of showing it off places, so maybe right. the argument could be that he died before he had a chance to, like, complete that. Interesting. Um, but yeah, he even, like, got funded for a trip to go to Thailand. There was, like, a claim that a Sasquatch was being held in a Buddhist monastery. He, like, went to Thailand to go investigate a claim. Like, that doesn't, to me, that doesn't, I mean, again, unless he was hoping that he could get this Sasquatch and bring it back, and then he'd be, like, the most famous dude ever. Right. Um, and I'm not really sure how I feel about this quote. A few days before he died, he told this other Bigfoot book author, Peter Byrne, that in retro retrospect, quote, he wished he would have shot the thing and brought out a body instead of a real film. Oh, I'm should not sure be. how I feel about that. Like, no, that feels be. bad. I feel like there should be some healthy level of, like, respect yes. for any creature. Like, there are people, obviously, out there who are searching for animals that aren't quite as folkloric as Bigfoot, but that are animals that, like, are said to be extinct, but supposedly right. aren't, and there have been apparent sightings, and they're out there looking for it. Like, I would have to hope, and I'm sure some of them would kill the animal, too, but I would have to hope that you wouldn't want to kill that creature if you were so, like, into it. Right. Well, I, a story that reminds me of that is uh, Darwin, when he was on the SS Beagle, sailing around the Galapagos Islands and everything. Mm. Every animal that he wrote about and described, he also ate. Dude, so, <laughs> what the hell? Right. Jesus. So he just he, like, that had to be part of his research is right. like how it tasted? How does it taste? Oh, come on. Fucked up. That's weird. That's fucked. And like, I get like back then he would like, you know, you'd collect samples. So you'd have to, you have to kill like one of them. Mm. That, I, that as shitty as that is, I get it. Yeah. But the whole eating part of it is just like, okay, dude. He took like, it a little too far. It. <laughs> it's like, it's weird. Nobody needs to know what it tastes like. Right. <laughs> that doesn't affect my no. researching of this animal. No, it's not scientific. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel great about that. But then again, like, yeah, I guess you can see it from the side of he wanted definitive proof. Right. And a film is always going to be questioned. We and still I mean, question it to this day. We still question it to this day. So I get it from that side. <clears throat> um, so this film, of course, has been watched and 
studied and you know gone over in meticulous detail. Oh yeah. Really, still to this day, has it hasn't been proven one way or the other. There really hasn't, as far as I could read, hasn't been anybody that has like brought up any definitive proof that like this is a fake. Right. Um, there were a few things like, I guess at the time. So I didn't really read the exact timeline of, like, when the film was supposedly developed, but apparently part of the story was that the film was developed, like, over the weekend. But at the time, this certain film could only be developed by a lab that had, like, a very expensive machine. And the only stores or labs, in the, like, on the West Coast that had one didn't do developing over the weekends. And, like, his brother-in-law, who had the film developed, like, doesn't remember where he took the film so that kind of maybe points to, like, the film being made earlier than they said that it was. Right. Um, it was odd to some people that Patterson was really into publicity, but Gimlin wasn't. That maybe Gimlin knew that it was a hoax and didn't really want to talk about it. Um, so Gimlin mo- later reported that he avoided publicity because Patterson and the film's promoter, Al Diatli, had broken their agreement to pay him a third of the share of any profits. So that he was just like, fuck this. And apparently his wife also didn't really like the idea of him being super public. Who knows? Um, there was like a technical writer for a technology firm. I don't like, don't understand this line of anything. Who had a hobby of investigating and writing about Northwest mysteries. Like, how does that all connect? A right. technical writer for a technology firm right. is writing about, like, I was like, okay. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Um, but he apparently started interviewing people who knew Patterson. And a lot of people described him as a liar and a con man. There were a lot of local creditors that had sued him. Several people, quote, suffered financially from dealings with him. He had, like, gotten a loan from somebody for one of his Bigfoot films and never repaid them. Um, even Bob Gimlin sued the promoter and Patterson's widow in 74 about that not receiving his third of a share. Wow. So that's not great. Um, hmm. his, his buddy that he did this video with. So other things were, so again, he supposedly had this costume, which I don't think is a deal breaker in itself. Right. That he was making this weird movie. Like, what the fuck, dude? Right. And um, again, you're making a bad name for Bigfoot researchers yes. doing shit like that. Right. Like, it's one thing if you're out there just trying to catch him on camera, but like, mm-hmm. why are you doing this weird video with like cowboys and Indians? Like, right. hell, dude. Um, so it makes sense that he would have a costume, but that, of course, works against him because it's like, well, if you already had a Bigfoot costume, how do we know it just wasn't a person in a costume? Well, do we have the costume? Like, did they ever find the costume? That he no. Had? Um, so Philip Morris, owner of Morris Costume... Well, Morris Costumes in, I think it was in North Carolina, um, claimed in 2002. So this was like one of those things where like he didn't come out for a long time because he thought it would like look bad if he revealed all this stuff, like, you know, gave away the magician's tricks kind of idea. Right. Which is like, okay, like this happened in the late 60s and you didn't come out until the early 2000s and we're supposed to believe you. Um, But he claims that he made a gorilla costume that was used in the film. He said he sold an ape suit to Patterson via mail order in 67, that Patterson specifically requested more massive shoulders and longer arms, and he claims that whoever wore it could have pulled off that specific walk because the suit had, like, much bigger feet, and, like, he compared it to, like, walking in clown shoes that you couldn't walk normally. Right. And that, like, people have described the way that the creature turns to look over the shoulder. Like, it's not, like just a head turn. It's like a whole upper body turn. But he, this costume maker claims that because the person was probably wearing shoulder pads that they would have had to turn their whole torso. But that's also consistent with like prime primatology. Like yeah. I know that like gorillas can't turn their head. They have to turn their whole upper body. Exactly. So that, that could be the shoulder pads, but it could also just be like a physiological 
like, I don't know. Yeah. No, he had no other evidence besides just saying that. Um, I think that they had even asked him to, like, reproduce a similar suit that he had given them, and he kind of, like, dodged it and never did that. Right. So there's that, and there's also this other acquaintance who I believe was there, maybe one of the volunteer, like, other people in the film, um, Bob Hieronymus, who claimed in 99 that he was the figure in the film. Um, he said he hadn't previously discussed his role because he hoped to be paid eventually, and he was afraid of being convicted of fraud if he confessed. But since he was never paid, his lawyer basically told him that you wouldn't be held liable for anything. Right. So he came forward. Um, his mother and his nephew claimed to have seen an ape suit in his car. A longtime friend said he revealed the hoax, like, back in 68. But he described the suit that he wore, and it varied greatly from the suit that Philip Morris described making. Hmm. Um, this Bob Hieronymus's descriptions, like, he said that the hands and feet were attached, and Morris said that they were separate, like, just pretty big differences like that that wouldn't just be misremembering. Right. Um, so, and again, his only proof is just that he said that that was him. Right. And again, I don't deny necessarily that he did have an ape suit. Right. That maybe they were planning to do that and then... Correlation does not imply causation. Exactly. Just because he has an ape suit and just because they're making a Bigfoot documentary doesn't necessarily mean that they hoaxed it. Right. Like, it's possible that they were making this weird documentary in a place where... <laughs> Super weird. Yeah, docu docudrama. Mm. Um, in a place where Bigfoot sightings have happened, and they just happened to get lucky and catch a real Bigfoot. Like, right. Like, they did choose the location specifically for the high instance of Bigfoot sightings. Right. So they were kind of in prime area. It's suspicious, um, but it's not necessarily... Yeah. Absolutely fake. Well, yeah, and it feels just as, like, attention and money grabby to me for these people to come out in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s to be like, no, 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 this was a hoax. Like, right. really? Like, I really just don't think, how much money could he have promised you at the time right. that you were going to just stay quiet about this crazy hoax? Mm -hmm. um, but we'll, we'll get in, when we get into explanations, I will talk about some other hoaxes that happened over yeah. the years. So there's some good ones. There's, yeah. Maybe not, if that was a hoax, maybe none as good as that. If that truly was a fake, yeah. it's a damn good fake. Because I remember seeing a TV show where there, there was um, anatomists, People, hmm. people talking about, like, the anatomy of the Patterson-Gimlin film and, like, really, like, studying the movements and the way that, like, the, the skin hangs on the bones and just, yep. like, all of, like, the actual physical attributes of the creature in the Patterson-Gimlin film. And they basically concluded that, like, if this is a suit, it's an insanely good suit. Yeah. And it was made, like... And where the fuck is the suit? Right. And where is it? And who made it? Yeah. And like how do they make it because yeah. I would be interested to hear somebody compare the Patterson-Gimlin film to the beginning of 2001 A Space Odyssey mm. which is roughly around the same time period true and has gorilla costumes in it and mm -hmm. you know someone like Stanley Kubrick who's very exacting and specific wouldn't have just gotten some like two-bit monkey suits like he would have like really paid for some good ones so I'd be curious to hear how the Patterson-Gimlin film stacks up against that because mm. I think that would be a good like sort of um, benchmark to set yeah. it against. Yeah, I almost like it almost feels to me like so many people, like at that point in when uh, Philip Morris, the costume designer, came forward in 2002, this video had already been out forever right. and had been picked apart. And again, part of the reason that, like you said, people have been not able to disprove this video is because of how realistic the suit looks, right. how realistic the gate is, like all of that stuff. And it almost felt to me like, I wonder if he wanted to take credit for this, like, incredible suit. Like, oh, yeah, no, I made that. Like, right. I totally made that. 
But he couldn't even provide any proof that he actually sold Patterson the suit. Right. So he couldn't even come up with like a receipt or some proof that he paid for a suit or anything like that. Right. He just said that he did. But it's like, dude, like after all this time and people are like, man, like, oh man, this is like, looks just like a real ape. Like this is incredible right. to be like, oh yeah, I made that. Kind of right. feels to me a little bit like you're, you know, I don't know if he still has his costume shop or what, but right. to kind of be taking some credit over like, oh yeah, I just, I made that like on a whim. Right. Like, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, this guy did that, not like, like you made it like for like a mail order customer. It's not even yeah. like somebody came in and like said like, I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars to make like the best Bigfoot suit out there. Right. This like, like some he made customer. a suit good enough that people still can't debunk that video in 2018. And yet he did that in the late sixties, right. supposedly from a dude who was literally funding his Bigfoot search from like the sales of a book that he produced on his own dime. Like, are right. you fucking with me? I don't believe that. There's no way he gave you enough money to do that. And that you were that <sighs> yeah. good. Never heard of your costume shop, dude. Yeah. Why am I saying it like that? Right. Costume. Costume. So I yeah. when it comes to the the uh Patterson Gimlin film, I'm on the fence. Yeah. I could go either way, depending on sort of more evidence. Like I could totally see it being real, all of the sort of like like context of the film could speak to me to be a hoax. Mm. But yeah. It could also just as easily be, you know, correlation not being causation. Mm-hmm. All of this sort of suspiciousness around it could just be a coincidence. And they did happen to get the the best evidence of Bigfoot. Yeah. I, I could go either it's way. It's a great that. video. Yeah. It's at the very least, it's a compelling video. It's yeah. A very, if it's a hoax, it's one of the best hoaxes ever. And yeah. if it's real, then that's a wild video. It's a wild video. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's awesome. Again, it's very short, but it is kind of freaky yeah honestly because it, it really does look real right so again i'm i'm super impressed if these dudes did pull this off in the late 60s and made a video that good right i'm impressed um so all right let's get into some ec- possible explanations of yes who or what bigfoot is so obviously the big one is just that people scientists think that people are seeing other animals yeah, I, I saw in an upright black bear. Yes, uh, a, a bear with mange. Yes, with mange, yeah. a like a skinny, emaciated black bear that happens to be standing on his back legs. Exactly. That's that seems to be the biggest uh, explanation as far as that goes. Also, like scientists are also citing the fact that typically, I mean, primates, non-human primates, yes. don't generally live in the United States. Period. Right. Let alone the Pacific North America, Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. They are, and, you know. Africa and Asia. The yeah, like like the the climate that Bigfoot would live in here in North America is n- no great apes live in this same climate zone anywhere else in the world. Right. So so that's I get that. Yeah, I get that. So just the fact that again, the average person out in the woods is not a primatologist right. or a scientist. They're just seeing a creature. Bigfoot's a known enough cryptid. Yeah. Um that somebody would see something like that and be like, oh my God. Your brain fills in the gaps. Exactly. You don't know what else it could be. I've never seen a real bear out in the wild. Right. I've seen like a bear in a zoo, but I've never seen a bear out in the woods. Right. Thank God. And I don't know if I saw a bear that I would know for sure that, that was it. I don't right. know what it would look like. I definitely don't know what a bear on its hind legs would look like. Um, so there's really no telling. But that it's one of the most common explanations for just like people are just seeing other animals. Right. And they're just like, oh, Bigfoot. Yeah. Which, but without any other proof, even a vi- like a quick video, shitty, blurry video. Right. Could it be a bear? Could just be a bear. I And I, I think that a lot of sightings are probably 
misidentified. Yeah. Like, I, I think that is logical, that a lot of people are seeing things that are explainable and their brains are filling in the rest because Bigfoot is such a well-known cryptid. Yeah. So that 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 rings to me as possible for yeah. a lot of these, like, sightings. I think so. Um, <clears throat> the other big thing, of course, is hoaxes. Yeah. They don't know about that video being a hoax. Um, so here, some of the fun hoaxes that I found. They So there's a guy named, where's his name? Why is his name out there? <sighs> no! Oh, no. Okay. This guy is a longtime Bigfoot enthusiast, and he's the CEO of Searching for Bigfoot Incorporated. He appeared on uh, the Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Radio Show in 2005, saying that he was 98% sure his group would be able to capture a Bigfoot they had been tracking in California. Um, like a month later, he announced on the same the same Coast to Coast AM show that he had access to a captured Bigfoot, and he was going to arrange like a pay-per-view event for people to come see it. But then a few days later, he said there was no captive Bigfoot, and he blamed, like, some unnamed woman for misleading him. So there's been, like, a lot of things like that where people are like, oh, yeah, I got a Bigfoot. And then they're like, oh, whoops, actually, no. And it's like, did he actually, you know, if somebody believes enough, like, maybe that woman did tell him that, and he was like, heck, yeah. Right. And then she didn't come through, and he was like, shit, you know, you'd have to ask yourself, like, why did he announce this on a radio show before he was sure? Right. But, um... So, in 2012, a man in Montana, this, like, shouldn't be a funny story. It's kind of a funny story, though. Uh The guy died, but um, he was killed by a car in Montana while perpetrating a Bigfoot hoax using a ghillie suit. So, that's like a camouflage suit. You know what I'm like? You can picture that. Like a a sniper. Yeah. Like, the camouflage suit with, like, all the shit hanging off of it to look like foliage. I looked up pictures, and they're ridiculous. Yes, they are. I, like, don't think I had ever seen one before. Right. Um, Yeah, he was wearing this fucking suit. And he stepped, like, right onto a highway. And then a 15-year-old girl hit him. I was like, wait a second, what? Can 15-year-olds driving? Right. Like, does she have, like, her driver's permit? Like, you can get, like, a permit, right? Oh, that sucks. Like, it's probably, like, her first ever drive. Right. She hit a Bigfoot. <laughs> Fake Bigfoot. <laughs> Some dude pretending to be a Bigfoot. Yeah. So this girl hits him. Another car swerves. And then a 17-year-old ran him over. Jesus. And he fucking died. Um, and, yeah, his whole goal was just that some, like, people would call in. A Bigfoot sighting. And the sad thing about it was that he died and nobody called into Bigfoot sighting. I don't know if he <laughs> died soon enough that nobody else saw him. Yeah. That's so there's shit like that. Um, okay. The, the dude I was talking about was Tom Biscardi. That okay. was the, the, the uh, CEO. Of- yeah. The searching for Bigfoot Incorporated guy. Um, okay. So in 2008, these dudes, Rick Dyer and Matthew Witten, posted a YouTube video saying that they had discovered the body of a dead Bigfoot in a forest in northern Georgia. So they called Tom Biscardi to come investigate. Don't know what happened with that. They, uh, oh no, they got $50,000 from searching for Bigfoot Incorporated as a good faith gesture. Jesus. Yeah. Um, The story was covered by like BBC, CNN, ABC News, Fox News. Like this was a big thing. Wow. Soon after the press conference, the alleged body was delivered in a block of ice in a freezer, but it was found that the hair wasn't real, the head was hollow, and the feet were rubber, and they obviously admitted that it was a hoax. So those fuckers. Wow. Wouldn't the yeah. news, like, wouldn't those news organizations, like, I don't know, do, like, any kind of, like, fact-gathering before they reported yeah, that? Yeah, before they, like, went and, like, did a press conference. Right. I don't know. So that that was, like, obviously uncovered to be a hoax. Yes. Then, uh, six years later, I actually wrote in my comments, Rick Dyer, this asshole, perpetrated <laughs> another hoax in January 2014. He claimed he had killed a Bigfoot outside of San Antonio. San Antonio. Wow. San Antonio. San Antonio. <laughs> I just blended those two things together. Wow. Um, he killed the Bigfoot 
outside of San Antonio in September 2012. So this was like over a year before he made this claim. Don't yeah. know why. He says that he had scientific tests, maybe this is why. He had scientific tests performed on the body. Ah. DNA tests, 3D optical scans to body scans. Quote, it is the real deal. It's Bigfoot and Bigfoot's here and I shot it and now I'm proving it to the world, is what he said. He claimed he planned to take it on tour in 2014. Um, he released a few photos and videos as well as like individuals' reactions to seeing it, which I'm assuming they maybe were seeing the real thing, but maybe we're just seeing the photos. I don't know. Right. Um, but he never revealed any of the tests or the scans. He said he would reveal the body in the test in February 2014 in a news conference at Washington University, but he never made those tests available conveniently. Hmm. Um, he went on a tour in Phoenix, again, presumably like with the body. Right. And then the body was taken to Houston. In late March, he admitted on his Facebook page that the, his Bigfoot corpse was another hoax. Jesus. He had paid this dude, Chris Russell, like calling you out, Chris. Fucking A, Chris of Russell. Of Twisted Toy Box. <laughs> so. Wow. There you go. To manufacture the prop from latex foam and camel hair. Gross. Wow. Um, Poor camel. Yeah, he got like 60 grand from that tour. And then still claimed that he actually did kill a Bigfoot, but that he didn't want to take the real body because he thought it was going to get stolen. Like, come just on, man. Just fucking nut up and just say, like, <laughs> I hoaxed this. Like, why are we going to believe you now after you already produced a supposed corpse that was, like, an obvious fake? And this is why people don't believe in Bigfoot. Exactly. Shit like that. Because of people like Rick Dyer. Ruining it for everybody. God damn it, Rick. And you too, fucking Twisted Toy Box. Yeah. Why would you do that? It's a shitty name, dude. <laughs> it's a shitty name. <laughs> really mad at both of you. So, so yeah. So those are the more, like, tame explanations as to what Bigfoot could be. Yeah. Let's get into some paranormal. Some paranormal. All right. So there's the belief that Bigfoot is an interdimensional being mm -hmm. who exists in a dimension other than our own. Yeah. But sort of slips into our dimension for you know, a few minutes or a few hours or maybe even a few days here and there. Yeah. Um, the idea being that, like, <clears throat> he's just, you know, walking, doing his thing in the woods in another... I don't know, actually, is it... it does, does Bigfoot have some kind of agency in changing dimensions or is he just kind of, like, happenstance slipping in and out? I'm not sure. Is the idea still that there are a bunch of Bigfoot and that they're all just slipping in and out? I think so. Yeah. And so, like, the idea would be you're, you're, you know, he's walking around in his woods in his dimension. Yep. And, you know, the, the veil between our two dimensions sort of slips or, like, the, the, the boundary between our two dimensions slips closer to him. And then all of a sudden he's in our dimension instead of his own. But he's just still walking, doing his thing. Mm. And all of a sudden he's in another dimension doesn't know it. Which would make sense in, so, like, in the, the Patterson-Gimlin film. Yeah. Like, the fact that they tried to track him. Yeah. And that he eventually just kind of slipped back. She, she eventually kind of disappeared. Yeah. So maybe that's part of why people, you know, only ever get that brief glimpse or brief video, photo, whatever. And like generally people aren't able to like continue tracking. Right. There's even been a lot of stories about people like following tracks and those tracks disappearing. Yeah. Which seems unlikely for such a huge creature right. that they would get to some point where, like, they just all of a sudden, like, where Vanish. did they go? Yeah. Unless they went into a different dimension. They just went back to their own. Which is also why yeah. we, we've never had a, a confirmed body of a Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. um, it would it would go a long way to explain a lot of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to see when we do our, our Skinwalker Ranch episode, Skinwalker. Bigfoot's going to make an, an appearance. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't know. I would 
not be of the opinion that Bigfoot is a sentient interdimensional traveler, I would see like someone like the Mothman, mm. I feel like would be a sentient interdimensional traveler yeah. that purposefully leaves its dimension to come into our own to warn us. Right. Which is why the men in black have to come, injured cold has to come to kind of like collect him and bring him back to his dimension. Yeah, because he's like, bro, stop fucking around over here. Whereas Bigfoot isn't like doing that on purpose. He's not trying to warn us about anything. He's not trying to do anything. He's just yeah. living his life in the woods and he just happens to slip into our dimension. Well, and who knows, like, so if he is just slipping in to our dimension and if we're assuming that maybe the dimension that he comes from are very, like, is a very similar wooded area or whatever that he's in. Right. Yeah, there could be some aspect of, like, he doesn't even totally realize initially that he has slipped. Right. Into this other, if he's still out in the woods, it's not like he slipped from his woodsy dimension onto, like, you know, Times Square or something and he's right. like, shit. Um, but that, you know, he's slipping into very similar settings and then maybe that could explain some of, like, the older, more violent reactions to right. humans that maybe it wasn't even so much, like, I don't know, not that... Not that the killings were, like, premeditated or anything like that, right. but just that it was, like, a, a real shock of, like, what the fuck? Like, maybe humans or human-like creatures don't exist in the dimension they come from, and then he right. slips into here, and then he sees some person with, like, a gun, and he's like, holy shit. Right. I'm going to whack this thing against a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's trying to, great. trying to stab me with a tiny little knife. Yeah. I'm just going to break all his bones. <laughs> it's fucking The wild. only way I know how. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Another theory that I have that isn't necessarily... I don't know if I... I got this theory from a short story by Chuck Palahniuk. So in the short story, there is a tribe of Native American people who live in the Midwest mm. who transform into Bigfoot in much the same way that you would imagine like a werewolf. Interesting. So like they exist as humans and then, you know, once a month or whatever on the full moon or however that works, they transform into Bigfoot overnight. <laughs> and so... They go and they just do their thing in the woods. Either they run through the woods and, I don't know, eat eat animals or just, yeah. like, run through the woods and become one with nature. And if you shoot one, it turns back into a human. Interesting. So, which is why, or if it just dies, it turns back into a human. So, the idea being that, like, we never found a body and we never have any proof of them because they're actually just turning back into humans. Interesting. So I don't know if that's an actual theory, but that's, I, that's a theory that I enjoy because it would go a long way to explain a lot of it. And right. Um, you know, with a lot of the Native American folklore that I was talking about, the Bigfoot start as humans and they transform into Chinoo. Yeah. And then they tra- they can be transformed back into humans. Interesting. So. That makes sense. It matches up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like those are the, the big, like, paranormal ideas. Yeah. I haven't really heard a whole lot else about paranormal explanations for Bigfoot. No. Not most really. Of the, most of the explanations are just he's he's a an unknown... Um, you know, primate that lives in various places around the world and has yet to be formally formally documented by science. Mm. He just likes running around in the woods, letting his boobs bounce in the breeze. Flap around, yeah. With his muscular butt. Right. I forgot to mention, too, that part of the, why uh, that scientist Grover Krantz yes. believed that the Patterson-Gimlin film was legitimate was not only because of just, like, the muscular structure in general, but, like, they specifically mentioned the, like the obvious muscular, like, tone of the the buttocks or whatever. Huh. Yeah, which I thought was interesting, too. Like, just, you were saying, too, about, like, the way the skin hangs on the bones or whatever. Like, yeah. that's that would be a hard thing to pull off in a costume. Right. Like. 
It's, it's, it's kind of like how, like, when you have um, an actor who's, like, wearing, like, a bald cap, mm. it never quite looks natural because, it, it like, their head just looks a little bit, even if it's, like, you know, a millimeter of hair, it just never looks quite right. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like even back in the 60s, it would be really hard to make a suit that has the musculature and the fat and the skin all quite right Yeah. to where it doesn't look like a suit on top of a body, but it just looks like one coherent thing. Exactly. Especially while the person, wear, supposedly person wearing it is in motion. Right. It'd be one thing if it right. was just somebody standing there, if it was a photo. Yes. Like that'd be a lot easier. You could have all kinds of fake muscles and whatever, but like right. somebody moving. And there's a decent, and it's not mm-hmm. just like a quick little like, you know, two second frame of them walking. Exactly. It's almost a minute. Yeah. So there's like a lot to go on. Like you, you can like... You can study that film and you can actually get a sense of like how the creature moves and yeah. how like the skin hangs and all that stuff. So it's a freaky video. It's interesting. Yeah. So where do you come down on Bigfoot? What do you how do you feel? I don't know. I definitely I definitely feel like I feel similarly to Jane Goodall in the sense that like I want it to be real. Yeah. And yeah, I do think that at some point with some things like this, there are so many stories from all different cultures. Um, we talked already about me having the conversation with our grandfather about aliens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> getting, like, mad about it, being yeah. like, does it make sense? Like, all these people have these stories, including from times where they couldn't, like, share it on right. social media and shit, and they couldn't read it in books. Like, they just all have the same stories. Like, yeah. these are not recent sightings of Bigfoot only. Like, this is not like, oh, Bigfoot became a thing, and then, like, all of a sudden there's all these sightings. This is, like, spanning a lot of time. Right. So I do think that it, there, it has to at least be a creature. There's something out there. Yeah, some something. some breed of creature, for that matter. Like, there are many Bigfoot out there. Right. I wouldn't necessarily want to see... I guess maybe I would want to see one, just because they're not violent. Yeah. It's not like a cryptid that's known for, like, coming at you. Until you hear its yell. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't... And you're just out. If, especially if I saw it, like, while it was yelling, I think I would... Yeah. Oh, my God. I might be one of those people that dies. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, heart dying, attack. Right? Nope. So, yeah, I definitely think that it's, at the very least, I think it's some type of creature that we just haven't caught yet. And I don't think that's unreasonable. No. Because, again, there are animals, like, supposedly known to be extinct Mm -hmm. that have had sightings since their moment of extinction. Oh, yeah. And just because you can't catch one doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Exactly. Animals are a lot smarter than us in a lot of ways. Like... Especially a primate. Come on now. That is may or may not be descended from the same primates that we are. Exactly. Like, I just read some stupid thing on Tumblr the other day that was like, why do we think that humans are, like, the peak of evolution? Like, bears just eat berries and salmon all day. Like, we're stuck at jobs. Like, why do we think that we're the top tier? Right. Just because we are more aware of our, like, sentience and our intelligence. Like, animals are super smart. My fucking dog is borderline smarter than I am. Yes. And we're talking, again, about this, these Bigfoot, which are supposedly linked enough to us that they walk like us and look similar to us. Like, why do we not think that they could be smart enough to avoid our fucking destructive asses? Right. Who, some of us want to shoot them so we can, like, take them on tour and get money. Yes. Why wouldn't they stay away from us? Exactly. So, yeah, I think I think there's a much better chance that they're real than not. I have to agree. Yeah. I come down very similarly. That yeah. Bigfoot are out there. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that they're supernatural. I no. think that they're very natural. They're just remnants of either Gigantopithecus or some kind of um, descendant of Homo sapiens as well, or uh, 
ancestor of Homo sapiens mm. that just happens to exist um, either in North America or across the whole world, and they are just their adaptation is that they are very good at hiding and avoiding other humans. Like yeah. you know, that's just that's how they've survived so long, and so they're really good at it. You know, small populations, little pockets here and there. Um, and one day we may discover them. At the very least, there's some unknown bear out there in Central Asia that definitely exists. Exactly. That we've never documented by science. Yeah. So I just, I, I have a very scientific view of it, but I also think that there's absolutely something out there that will one day be identified as, this is what we've all been seeing when we talk about Bigfoot. Yeah. Things can adapt to all kinds of crazy shit. We were watching One Strange Rock the other day, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. It's narrated by Will Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like talking with a bunch of astronauts who have been yeah. in space yes. like about their... It's super cool. I actually found out about it reading about the, our last topic, the astronauts talking about yeah. UFOs and aliens. Oh, yeah. Because it was talking about that aspect of like these astronauts speaking on the show, and I was like, that sounds cool. Right. Um, but one of the episodes was talking about this like whole... It's a breed of like bacteria yeah. that live in fucking like acid. Yeah. Like... Literal acid. Insane. Yeah. So, I mean, if that can exist, if right. we, like, are willing to accept that, yeah, they're, I mean, yeah, they're not animals that we would, like, recognize as an animal, but it's still right. a living being in right. acid, and we don't believe there's Bigfoot in the woods somewhere? Come on. Right. Come on. Well, there's there's those animals that we, we thought for the longest time that all life on Earth required the sun. That yeah. They, it all, we all fed off the sun. Yep. But then they discovered those animals that live next to the hydrothermal vents deep, deep, deep in mm. the ocean, mm-hmm. completely devoid of any sunlight whatsoever. Which is creepy. But they feed, right, super creepy. But there's like these crabs and like these worms and everything that live in and around these hydrothermic vents that have never known the sun and will never know the sun. Yeah. And yet they survive and they completely defy everything that we, quote, know about life. Yeah. So if something like that can exist, how come a primate can't exist in North America? Exactly. Yeah. I think it's crazy. So. Yeah. Let us know what you think about Bigfoot. Yep. Tell us if you believe. Tell us in the comments. Yeah. This is, will probably not be the last time we talk about Bigfoot. Probably not. We will at least be talking about Bigfoot variations, if not just talking about other aspects of Bigfoot. Yeah. Because it's a huge topic. Yes. So, yeah. Episode 22. 22. Bigfoot. This is, this is a good one. This is a good one. Yeah. I like I like Bigfoot. I want to learn more now. Right. I'm going to check out the... The website that I was talking about. The website that I was looking at when Gray got here is the oldest and largest Bigfoot organization, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, or BFRO. Beefro. Beefro. It's a free database to individuals and other organizations and has reports from across North America, and they even do Bigfoot expeditions. That's wild. There was, like, a link to, like, 2019 Bigfoot expeditions. Like, Let's do it. If I wasn't having a baby in a few months, we'd be going to look for Bigfoot. Be in the woods right now. Yeah. We just got to wait until he's a little bigger. Yeah. And then he's coming with us. It'd be great. So, yeah. Episode 22 of Unknowable. Unknowable. Love you.